It's, it's so good to be here. If you have your Bibles this morning, um, would you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 1? The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 1. And um, while you're turning there, I just do want to express my appreciation to Pastor Lee and Sister Carla, all of the leadership here, for allowing me to be here to minister to you once again. It, as, Lee, as Pastor Lee said, it really is like home for us. Um, you know, God sent us out from this place, and um, every time that we come back here, you know, we, we just feel so at home, and you are our family, and you guys have walked with us through so much um, over the past several years, and um, w- time wouldn't allow me to really express my appreciation, the appreciation I feel in my heart for all of you, and just the support, the prayers, the encouragement that you guys have given us, and um, hey, your prayers have been answered, and uh, stand up, Sarah Beth, and um, she's, she's walking, she's all over the place. And, um, you know, I was just, I was just thinking on the way here this morning, you know, about when we first came to this church a few years ago and, um, how that Sarah was just struggling so bad physically, emotionally, all in, in all aspects. And, you know, she came in here and you, most of you will remember, you know, she just looked so, so, uh, she struggled, you know, and her head was held down. She couldn't even sit up straight, all of these things. And to think about what God's done in, in the past couple of years, it's absolutely amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And um, you guys are a large, huge part of that. In, in a time of our lives when we were very broken, very discouraged, you guys ministered to us so beautifully. You served us. I remember the first service, the first Sunday morning that we were here together, I told Sarah, I was like, I've never been prayed for by that many people in one service in my entire life. It was like the whole service, people were just coming to us, hugging us and loving us. And um, we just love you guys so much. We honor you. And uh, I just thank you, Pastor Lee. Uh, you know, some of you have probably seen the movie um, Hacksaw Ridge. It's, it's, a, it's a movie about a, a World War II uh, situation. And the movie depicts a man by the name of Desmond Doss. He he served as a combat medic in, in World War II, and uh, Doss was of the religious conviction, the persuasion that he shouldn't bear arms um, even in battle. And so whenever he listed into the army, um, he refused to use a weapon to fight. Um, and instead, the way that Doss chose to fight his enemies was by rendering medical aid and attention to his fellow soldiers. And in the movie, there's this one particular battle, this vicious battle where Doss is, is running through the battlefield. He's dodging bullets and bombs and he's going from soldier to soldier and he's trying to figure out who it is that needs help. And his mission was, Doss's life mission, he felt, um, was to save lives and to empower soldiers to get back in to the fight. Um, history tells us that Doss even went as far as to saving enemy Soldiers, but th- this was his life life's mission. It was it was to go to the field of battle without a weapon, to search for broken and bloodied people, uh, and to empower them to get back up on their feet and to fight the enemy one more time. And you know that's what I see Pastor Lee's ministry as. I see Pastor Lee going from church to church. He goes place to place. And he searches for broken and for bloodied people. And I, and I think his mission, really, from the bottom of my heart, I believe it's, it's like that. That he goes from place to place searching for weary, worn out people and empowering them by the grace of God to get back up and to get into the fight. And, and I was just thinking that this morning. 
And I've watched as God has used him over the last several years, not just in this place, but in many places, to literally rescue people from the purposes and the intentions of hell. And I just want to say this morning that this is a man that I am honored to call my friend, and I'm honored to follow into battle. And so, Pastor Lee, thank you for your ministry. Sister Carla, thank you. We bless you guys. Can we just give them one more hand of appreciation this morning? And I just want to say, you know, Doss couldn't do what he did without the army being behind him. And uh, everything Pastor Lee does successfully from this place um, is because you allow him, you empower him, and you bless him as he goes out and he takes what God is doing in this place to people who desperately need it all around the world. And so thank you. Thank you for your trust in him. Thank you for enabling him to go out and, and to be everything that God is allowing him to be to so many people. Amen. Luke chapter 1. And uh, I want to speak to you this morning from a thought simply entitled, What if Mary had said no? What if Mary had said no? Now, Father, I come to you this morning in the name of your Son, Jesus. And Father, I thank you with all of my heart for the opportunity, God, that you've given me to stand before these, your people. Father, I thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit, God, that makes our ministry to others possible, that makes our ministry to others effective, that makes our ministry to others worthwhile. God, thank you for the help and the strength of your Holy Spirit. And Father, I'm just praying in the next few moments, God, as I minister the things that I believe you've put in my heart, God, that you would help me, Lord, to deliver your heart to your people, God. Father, give every one of us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive everything that you intend to say to us, God, in this moment. And when it's all said and done as we do now, we'll be sure to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, uh, the Bible tells us of Gabriel. Gabriel was an angel who was sent by God to the lowly city of Nazareth. And as was God's custom, often seen throughout the Old Testament scriptures, the reason for his sending of Gabriel, this angel, was to bring a message. It, it was always to make some formal announcement or to give some particular direction to his people. And the message that Gabriel is about to deliver from heaven to Nazareth is perhaps the most important message that he will ever deliver. The announcement is that the highly anticipated and long-awaited Messiah of Israel is soon to come. Now for Israel, this announcement is of earth-shaking proportions. Because for literally thousands of years, Israel has been anxiously awaiting this promise of God. They've witnessed God come through on His promises time and again They've witnessed God fulfill promise after promise after promise all throughout their history. But this is the promise of all promises. Because for Israel, the coming of Messiah meant salvation. 
For Israel, the coming of Messiah meant an end to their suffering and their oppression and the bringing in of a brand new heavenly kingdom. For Israel, the coming of Messiah meant salvation. It meant rescue. It meant deliverance. It meant liberation in every sense. This was the fulfillment. This was the promise that they had longed for all the way back to the time of their father's temptation and fall in the Garden of Eden. Time simply would not permit me to elaborate on all that this announcement would have meant for Israel. But suffice it to say, this was the announcement of all announcements. This was the promise of all promises. And you would think that to herald such a declaration, to communicate such a message, God would have sent Gabriel to Jerusalem. That he would have sent Gabriel to Jerusalem to find some religiously elite man of the ruling class. To find someone of affluence with a large sphere of influence. To Jerusalem to find someone of great prestige and great power. But the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 1 that God doesn't send His messenger to Jerusalem. He sends His messenger to Nazareth and to a woman. Now this is shocking because according to the societal norms of the day, Nazareth was considered a second class town. You remember one of the admissions of one of the disciples when they first heard about Jesus was, what good can come out of Nazareth? And so the societal norm of the day, the consideration was that Nazareth was a second class town. Not only was Nazareth considered to be a second class town, but women were considered second class citizens. In that time and in that hour, both were considered inferior and incapable of fostering anything of heavenly magnitude or proportion. But you see, all throughout Scripture, God often uses despised people and places to forward His plans in the earth. Oftentimes, God uses the least likely to do His greatest works in the earth. And this is exactly, once again, what God is doing in Luke chapter 1. And not only does the angel make this astounding announcement to a woman, this second-class inferior citizen... But he also tells her that her womb is going to be the avenue through which the Savior is literally brought into the world. She is going to be singularly responsible for carrying and birthing Israel's long-awaited Messiah. She would be the door. Her life would be the door, so to speak, through which the Savior would come from heaven to earth. And you think what God has asked you to do is intimidating? Think about Mary. This is the Son of God. The promise of all promises. And she is finding out that because she is favored by God, she is going to be the one who not only announces or sees His arrival, but the very one who makes it 
possible. And as you begin to understand the background to this text, it seems as though Mary should have been frightened by this announcement. It seems as though Mary should have been stricken with fear to the point of unbelief by this announcement that the angel is making over her life. She's a woman, number one. They're looked down upon in general. She's engaged to be married, but she's still a virgin. And so people are certainly going to think that she's had this baby out of wedlock, whether by Joseph or by another man. And so what little reputation she already has is at stake. And thirdly, Mary is of the peasantry class of the day. She is of the lowest and least regarded class in society. She's a woman, she's a virgin, and she's a peasant. Everything is working against her. And Mary has every right to consider the cost too great or to consider herself utterly unworthy of being used by God to such a degree. Mary, it seems, has every reason to consider that this was too big for her. That God, you can use me in some kind of other manner, some kind of different capacity, but God, this is too much. But what I love about Mary in response to the angel's declaration is that she doesn't cave to the pressure that society has put upon her. Mary doesn't cave to the idea that because of her lowly status, God is incapable of doing anything significant with her life. And neither does Mary consider the cost of possibly losing everything that she holds dear and her reputation. She doesn't consider the cost too great. Instead, in response to the angel's announcement, Mary says in Luke chapter 1 and verse 38, listen to her response. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. At the risk of being misunderstood, at the risk of being maligned, at the risk of being mistaken, Mary, in essence, says, Lord, do what you want to do. Yes, there is an initial hesitation. Yes, there is a slight consideration concerning the things that are being spoken to her by the Lord. But it seems that very quickly, Mary allows her doubts and her fears to be swallowed by the promise and the assurance of God. She sees her frailty. She sees her inability, but she receives the promise that the Holy Spirit will come to do in her and through her what she could never fathom doing in herself. She receives the promise. Later, her cousin Elizabeth would actually say that she was blessed because she believed that there would be a fulfillment of everything that God had promised to her life. And the fact that Elizabeth would declare this shows that this would have been a challenging thing for anybody to believe, much less a peasant woman. It would have been challenging. Yet the scriptures tell us that Mary is not recalcitrant towards God's dealings with her life. She believes. 
And over the past couple of weeks, I've pondered this thought over and over and over again. What if Mary had said no? What if she deemed the cost too great? Or if she considered herself entirely unworthy of being used by God in this capacity? I want you to think for just a moment what the world would have missed out on if Mary had said no. Now we can argue, well, if, if, if God couldn't do it through Mary, He would have found somebody else. But that's not really what I see in Scripture. What I see in Scripture, both Old and New Testament alike, is God coming to individuals and telling them, these are the things that I want to do through your life. And if you don't allow me to do them in the way that I want to do them, there are going to be people who suffer because of your refusal to allow me to do what I want to do. All throughout Scripture, I don't see that God has a perfect replacement for what He's called me to do. I don't see that God has an exact replica of this person or the next person that perfectly fulfills everything that God intends to do through their lives. And so if Mary had said no, I don't know, maybe God would have done something differently. But like I said, I don't think the scriptures indicate that he would have. If Mary would have said no, the salvation, think of the salvation. Think of the deliverance. Think of the the freedom that this world would have missed out on as a result of her no. Think of the deliverance, think of the freedom, think of the the, the salvation that's been brought into the world as a result of her yes. At the time, I'm sure that her mind didn't grasp the severity or the weight of what God was doing in her life. But can I tell you that her simple yes to God made a way for the Son of God to come into this world. To live 33 and a half years of a perfect and sinless life. And then after those years, he took that perfect and sinless life to a cross where he laid it down for the entirety of the human race. And three days later, he got back up by the power of God, sealing our salvation and our redemption. And it all stemmed from one woman saying, God, yes, to what you want to do through my life. It doesn't make sense. You should be going to palaces. You should be going to Jerusalem. You should be going to temples. But God, it doesn't make sense. You've come to me in this lowly city, in a stable. I can't make sense of it. But God, yes to what you want to do through my life. And I want you to know that you and I this morning are direct recipients of Mary's yes. We are direct beneficiaries of Mary's yes To God. No, she didn't grasp the weight or severity of it. But look at what her simple yes to God has brought into the world. You see, in the kingdom of God, little yeses make huge impacts. I want to say that again, that in the kingdom of God, little yeses make huge impacts. Simple yeses from ordinary people to an extraordinary God can make extraordinary impacts. And so I want to ask you this morning, 
What is it that God is intending to birth through your life that you are tempted to say no to? Or better put, what is it that God would do and accomplish through your life if you simply gave Him your yes? What is it that you're tempted to say no to because you consider the cost to be too great? Or you consider yourself entirely unworthy of being used by God? What is it that you've, you, you've, you've pondered, you've thought about, you've prayed about, you know that God has dealt with you about? And you're tempted to say no because you look at your own life, you look at your flaws, you look at your failures, you look at your inconsistencies, and you convince yourself that because of who I am, God cannot do through me what He wants to do. What promise is it from God? That seems too challenging, too intimidating, too big for you. You see, oftentimes we abort or we reject the promises of God altogether because we've led ourselves to believe that nothing of heavenly magnitude could be accomplished through our lives. We've convinced ourselves that nothing of heavenly proportion can be accomplished through us because we're too weak, we're too inconsistent, we're too frail, we're too incapable. And oftentimes we feel trapped by our human limitations. And we feel wholly incapable of fostering anything godly or consequential. But you see, despite all that was working against Mary, she believed that something eternal could be birthed through her life. She believed that something heavenly could be birthed through her life. And can I tell you that what was birthed through Mary both confronted and demolished hell. Nobody in this day would have believed that through a little peasant girl, hell would be put to shame and overcome. Nobody would have believed it. They would have told you you were crazy. That through a little peasant girl in that little town of Nazareth, something of heavenly magnitude could be birthed into the earth that would literally put hell to flight. But that's exactly what happened, beloved of God. That's exactly what happened. And I'm here to tell you this morning that if you will yield your life to God, if you will give your yes to God this morning, in spite of the doubts, in spite of the feelings of inadequacy, in spite of the weaknesses that prevail your life, if you will say yes to God, I can assure you of this one thing, that there would be things birthed through your life that would put hell to shame and blow people's expectations out of the water. Because God specializes in using ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things that brings glory to His name and puts hell to shame. That's what God can do. That's what He can do. You see, there comes a time in all of our lives, beloved of God, there comes a time in every one of our lives where we are forced to make a decision. And it's a decision that involves believing what God has said about us or not. 
It's a decision that concerns us agreeing with what God intends to do through our lives or not. It's a decision that involves us believing that something through us could be birthed, could be accomplished, that would change the course of our homes, our community, and possibly even our nation. There comes a time in every one of our walks with God where we're forced to make this decision. Will we yield to God in faith and say yes to the things that He intends to do through our lives, or will we say no? And I just want to challenge you this morning, beloved of God. Stop equating your inability with God's. Stop equating your limitations with His. We have many, but He has absolutely none. And the fulfillment of His promises through your life It's not predicated on your performance. It's not predicated on your goodness. It's not predicated on your ability. It's predicated upon who God says that He is and everything that He says that He can do. That's, that's, that's the thing. It's God coming to us and saying, this is what I want to do through your life. I didn't ask you to do it. I told you that if you would give me a yes, I would do it through your life. And this is exactly what happens with Mary. The angel shows up to her and he talks about how that God delights in her and favors her and all of these things. And then the promise comes to her and she's left bewildered, wondering how in the world is this going to happen? And the angel speaks to her and says, the Holy Spirit will come and do through you what you cannot do for yourself. And some of you this this morning, you are wondering, how could things be birthed through my life? Look at me. Look at my failures. Look at my inconsistencies. Look at my unfaithfulness. I don't know what it is, what you would put in that blank this morning. But some of you see all of it. And you're wondering, how could this be? How could God accomplish something through my life That would bring glory to God and would literally do damage to the purposes and the intentions of hell. And I believe that the angel's answer to Mary is God's answer to you today. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And when this happens, nothing shall be impossible with God. That's God's answer to your hesitation this morning. That's God's answer to your consideration this morning. To the thing that you can't make sense of, that's God's answer to you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And when He does, there is nothing that will be impossible. When God gets ready to fulfill His promises through your life, the Holy Spirit will come and He will do through you what you cannot do for yourself. This is the message of the Gospel. It's God taking sinful, wretched, ordinary people, washing them in His blood, filling them with His Holy Spirit, 
and empowering them to do extraordinary things that defy the realm of natural human reasoning. Beloved, don't abort what God has placed in you just because it's difficult. Don't say no to what God intends to do through your life just because you can't make sense of what God is doing. I'm telling you that if you would say yes to God this morning, and I don't know what it is that God is speaking to you, what it is that He wants to do through you to affect your family, to affect your home, to affect your community, to affect your nation, I don't know what it is this morning. But I'm telling you that if you would offer your yes to God, He would fill your heart with joy and with courage. The promise may not come to pass immediately. There may be more hurdles that you have to cross. There may be more walls that you have to power your way through. But can I tell you that the Holy Spirit will fill you with courage to believe His promises if you'll just give Him your yes this morning. I don't know how He does it when everything in the natural is unchanging. Everything in the natural is problematic. Everything in the natural is challenging. I don't know how he does it, but can I tell you, he does. Some kind of a way in the midst of darkness and despair and discouragement all around, he will fill you with courage and with strength to believe his promises to your life. I don't know how he does it, but I just know that he does. And you see that even before this particular promise came to pass in Mary's life, the Bible says that she was filled with joy and rejoicing and and courage concerning what God had spoken to her life. You read that later in Luke chapter 1, when by the Spirit of God she begins to prophesy concerning the things that God has spoken to her heart. She begins to talk about how The things that God is going to do through her are literally going to be of eternal consequence. They're going to affect generations to come. That what God's going to do through her is literally going to affect the entirety of the world. And you think of it, this little peasant woman, how mad she must have looked. How crazy she must have looked prophesying concerning these promises of God. But God spoke to her. God met with her. And maybe for some of you, God's met with you in an altar somewhere. And He's spoken a promise to your life. And don't let people despise your joy. They don't understand what God's spoken to you. They don't understand what God's put on the inside of you. Don't let them despise your courage. Don't let them despise your joy. Don't allow them to rob you of the joy and the courage that God has put in your life concerning His promises for you. You have no idea the long-lasting and multi-generational effects that your yes will have. I think of the little boy with the couple of fishes and loaves. And there's a multitude that needs to be fed. And he walks up and he has a couple of fishes and a couple of loaves. And one of the disciples say, what good is this for such a great need? See, people were saying that what he had was inconsequential. It was of little consequence. It wouldn't make a difference for such a great need. But not only did Jesus use what he had to feed a multitude, 
But someone wrote a story about this boy's life that is affecting me and you today. Someone wrote a story about this boy's yes that is giving you and I courage to say yes to God in our generation. That is giving us courage to believe that God can take what little that we have and He can do great things with it. You have no idea what your story will mean to someone in years to come. And so this morning I want to challenge you. Singers and musicians, you can come back if you're ready. I want to challenge you this morning to pray for God to speak to you. To pray that God would give you a little glimpse into what He intends to do through your life for His glory. And He never tells us the whole story. And thank God that He doesn't. Somebody say Amen. Because a lot of us wouldn't have gone if, if, if God had told us the whole story ahead of time. But I want to challenge you to pray for God to speak to you. To pray that He would give you just a glimpse into what He intends to do through your life. And to pray for courage to embrace whatever that is. It's my prayer that 50 years from now, someone would be standing in a pulpit somewhere else saying, what if First New Testament had said no? It's my prayer that through this church such an impact would be made that 50 years from now, they would say, what if Lee Ship had said no? That maybe they would be sitting down at their table for dinner with their family and they would say, how different would our family be had First New Testament said no? How different would our community be if First New Testament had said no because they considered the cost too great or they considered themselves unworthy of fostering uh, something of such magnitude and proportion? Beloved, look at what God has already done. I can confidently tell you this morning that if it were not for Lee Ships, yes, I don't know where I would be this morning. If it were not for his yes 30, 31, 32 years ago, his willingness to say yes to everything that God wanted to do through his life, despite the cost and despite the feelings of inadequacy, beloved of God, I don't know where I would be. But he heard the voice of God and he responded to God in faith. And what you see this morning is a result of he and Carla's yes to God. This is a result of in spite of their feelings of inadequacy, in spite of realizing that it, it, it's going to cost us. It's going to cost a lot of our family. It's going to cost a lot of our Attention, a lot of our energy, a lot of all of this, in spite of all of it, look at what God has done thus far. And how much more is God prone to do if we as a body would continue to say yes to Him? What more would God do in this city? Come on, somebody, talk to me. What more would God do in this community? What more would God do if we as a unified body would say, God, I know it's going to cost me and I know I'm very weak, but God, I believe you to do in and through my life everything that you want to do.
What would they say if the Lord should tarry a hundred years from now? What would they say of your life should the Lord tarry a hundred years from now? If you simply offered to God your yes. I believe with all of my heart, beloved of God, that we need to hear the Spirit of God whisper to us this morning, just as He spoke to Mary long ago, that I delight in you. You see, what keeps us so often is that we see ourselves. And because we see ourselves and we live with ourselves and we know ourselves, we consider all of these things improbable, if not impossible. But God, because of Jesus Christ, because of the salvation that we have received in Jesus, He doesn't look at us and say, because of that imperfection, I can't do what I want to do. He looks at you, imperfections and all, and He says, I delight in you. He looks at you, beloved of God, and He says, you are favored. And maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. You just need the Spirit of God to whisper to you one more time that you are highly favored. That you are loved. That you are cherished. If not by anyone else, you are cherished by Him. He loves you, beloved of God. He sees you so differently than what you often see yourself. He sees you so differently. And I want to challenge you as you stand with me all over the house of God this morning. I want to challenge you to allow God to whisper to you one more time that He delights in you. And that because of His delight in you, He's going to do thus and so through your life. I don't know what it will look like. I don't know what it will be. I'm not saying the whole world's going to know about it, but I am saying this, that if you will say yes to Him, hell will be pushed back and the kingdom of God will be forwarded. Maybe it's only in your home, but by the grace of God, He will empower you to tear down strongholds in your family and to build the kingdom of God in the lives of your children. And your children will go on to forward the kingdom of God. And by the grace of God, their children will go on to forward the kingdom of God. Beloved, offer your yes to God this morning. I remember... And I'll say this and I'm done. When Sarah first got into the wheelchair, I remember how hard and how difficult it was for us. We were blindsided by this trial and especially her. And I remember that first year or two of her being in the wheelchair and she struggled so much because she wanted to be a mom. She wanted to be a pastor's wife. She, she wanted to be a wife. All of these things she wanted to do and to do well. And she felt so limited because of her natural limitations. She felt limited from doing and being everything that God wanted her to do and be. 
And by all natural estimation, she was limited. She was incapable of being the testimony that God had called her to be. She had considered herself unworthy. But I watched after about a year and a half after or two years, right after God brought us to this place, I watched as she began to press into the Lord. And God began to meet with her in a way unlike I had ever seen before in my life. And God, after about two years, began to lift her out of that despair. She was still bound by a wheelchair, but she was no longer bound by unbelief. And before she ever got out of the wheelchair, God gave her the victory. While she was in the wheelchair, she was being used by God to be a testimony for Him all throughout, all, 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 all everywhere that we went. And I'm just saying that to say to you that your limitations, whatever they are, they don't stop God from getting glory out of your life. Don't allow your limitations to stop you this morning. Don't allow your weakness and your inadequacy to hinder you this morning. Just give your yes to God and watch what God will do through your life. God's taken her out of the wheelchair. And we praise God for that. But can I tell you, we knew the victory of God before she ever got out of that wheelchair. Father, I thank you with all of my heart, God, for the truths of your word this morning. Father, I pray in the next few moments, God, that you would help us, God, to believe once again that you can be glorified through our lives. To believe once again that something of heavenly magnitude could be birthed through us, God, that would affect the world around us. To believe, God, that you don't need special people. You just need simple people with a simple yes. And God, in that place, the possibilities are endless. So, Father, minister to your people this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah.